0: This is a Hunt, Fish, Conserved podcast hosted by Ethan Evans and Tyler Swenson. Today, we are jumping on the podcast to share what we have been up to and what we have upcoming. Uh, just actually, just last weekend, we were able to attend the Great Waters Fly Expo. And if anybody's unfamiliar with that expo, it's a trade show that's hosted in St. Paul, Minnesota, and it's one of the largest fly fishing expos in the Midwest. And this is something that happens every spring. And it's kind of a cool way to start getting excited for the upcoming fly fishing season that a lot of people know. Um, start breaking out the bugs and devices and kind of start seeing some of the new products that are out and about. There's a lot of cool and unique vendors we saw. Wasn't as many vendors. I don't know if that was just due as previous years, because I don't know if that was just mostly due to COVID. And it also had to wear a mask, which I can't even imagine how hard it'd be to sell something <laughs> yeah. if you're wearing a mask. Like that would just be tough. And, hard to communicate and feel with people.
1: So. Well, I say that's the biggest thing, you know, like if you're not a big fly fisherman or you just want to get into it, it's even a good event to go and learn. And there's a lot of people there who, you know, like seeing new people and they're there to, you know, they do seminars and stuff. They're there to teach you how to do some of this stuff. But like you said, I feel like the mass almost, you know, you, it's hard to get a read on somebody. So, you know, I feel like face to face you know seeing people's facial expressions really helps those conversations
0: yeah and yeah like you know Tyler said like they had seminars and like some of the seminars are really cool and it's like i think it's kind of just the whole world of fly fishing is kind of showing that like you don't always have to just think about trout and fly fishing like there's a lot of cool seminars about muskie's about steelhead about carp and uh, they just had a lot of information about things that it's kind of opening the world of fly fishing in a lot of ways They also had a casting pool. So it was actually the fly fishing, I suppose, held in a college and they have a college uh, swim team, obviously. And they had the pool open and they had a casting instructor and a variety of different casting instructors kind of showing like, how do you fish, you know, a large predator fly and how do you you know some casting techniques for streamer fishing, how to fish spay rods and all this kind of stuff. Like, and showing things like actually in a water scenario. So that was kind of helpful. Mm-hmm. It's really great to visualize seeing in
1: person. I mean, you can watch a YouTube video and that helps too, but you know, you're there to ask questions if you need to, but it's good to visualize, visualize that fly moving aclo- across the water, or yep. how the rods being casted or how they're laying the line down. I mean, these guys are experts at some of this stuff. So yep. very good opportunity to learn. And you know, again about the seminars. There's a me and you made it to one, mm-hmm. but there was a lot of seminars there that I would have liked to listen to. I mean, almost all of them. But yeah, you know, they do four at one o'clock. Yep. And there was I don't know if there was five time slots or what it was, but yeah, the one we made it to was really good. I mean, I didn't know much about steelhead fishing, but made me want to go.
0: Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely good to. It kind of exposes some people maybe to some offerings about the Midwest that really isn't always known. And like Tyler said, you know, about new people coming. they have uh, a wide variety of people tying, you know, trout flies, predator flies, streamer flies, and you can just kind of go up and talk to them and they'll probably show you a new technique or if you're totally new to it, like they probably would let you totally tie in their vice and ask some questions. So that was
1: kind of cool to see. Yeah. And there was, I mean, I didn't, we didn't sit down and, you know, watch them tie a fly, but they had chairs sitting in front of their booth. So, you know, if, I'm sure they're welcoming to you to sit down and sit, have a conversation and ask them questions and watch these experts tie these flies because they can tie way faster than I can. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. One of the, one of the vendors that, and it wasn't actually like a vendor, it was like more of an educational center that I thought was cool was that entomology where they had all the bugs yeah. and the different bugs that were in the stream yep, and they had like these actual bugs in like these containers that you would see in like a trout stream or a river system and i mean they had you know the caddis and they had the was the water bugs i think they were those are huge yeah. things and i can't remember like the exact name for them but yeah they had mayflies i mean just a bunch of crazy stuff that like when someone sees a stream, like they don't see all the whole ecosystem that's going on there. The thing I like about that is, um,
1: you're tying all these flies, right? I mean, starting out, you might not know what you're actually tying. You're tying a caddis fly, but you know what does that caddis fly actually look like? Yeah. And it's good to get that visual, and um, you know, it was right there, and I assume people pick them up, or maybe yeah. because some of the some of the containers said, "Be careful, they bite." Yep. And I was like, geez, people are picking these things up.
0: Yeah. So that was definitely cool to see. Um, You know, they had a lot of like um, material that, you know, you might not actually see yet a lot. Cause I mean, around Tyler and I, where we live, we don't really have fly shops that you can kind of go and see like any of the fly tying material or anything like that. So be able to go in person and like see some of that material and also see like what people are doing with that material. I think that's like an awesome thing. Mm -hmm. And
1: again, having that opportunity to, to ask people because I mean, like you said, around us, the only thing we can pretty much do is order it online or I guess Cabela's is the closest place to get materials. And they don't they don't have a bunch of materials there either. So I mean it's pretty slim pickings, but it's nice to ask somebody, you know, I'm they could say, you know, oh well, you know, I use this, but this could
0: work as well. Mm -hmm. You know,
1: just having that variety by asking questions.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, it's even, like, the things, like, you know, hey, maybe you're looking at, like, getting a size 4 hook or a size 6 hook and, like, actually being able to look at that in person and, like, compare and contrast there was awesome. Um, they also had, like, a lot of specials that they were running. So, uh, they had, I think it was, like, 20% off. All materials. All materials. Yeah. All rods and all reels. Yeah. Oh, so it was everything. It was everything. that, it, And okay. this is a big booth. I mean, it took up probably like whole like four booths that were average size. Yep. So, I mean, then they had a lot of good rods. I mean, rods that were, you know, obviously people wanted and used. And then they had this huge open spot that wasn't filled by any vendors. And they allowed you to cast these rods and test them out. And I've actually been in a few fly shops and I've never really asked to cast a rod, but I mean, some of these places are like in a metropolitan area. So it's like, you can't just really go find somewhere to fly cast. So to have like this huge gym that's being used, and then you're also able to like test a fly rod with like the right line and be matched everything properly. Like that was able to like really nice to see.
1: Yep. Really nice to, I mean, you can pick up any fly rod, but without, you know, whipping it around, it's hard to make a really good decision. Or if you know, you're curious, you know, "Ah, I might, I might buy this rod or I'm deciding over this or that, you know, you can try them both out and Really lets you know what you need.
0: Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, like, that's like if you want to like go and if you can hopefully find a convention around you, you, that'd be like a really good motivator just to be able to test some of these rods that you might see people talking about in videos or online and be able to see, like, what's the difference between the six weight and seven weight? And is this rod really fast action or is it slow action or how does it actually load? And, you know, would this one be good for streamer fishing? Is this one actually good for urine nymph or dry fly fishing? So that was definitely something cool.
1: Yep. Man, I will say, I mean, there wasn't too many people our age there. Yeah. I would say it was mostly older gentlemen, but, um, you know, so like I said, again, you know, even if you, you're just curious about it, it's fun to go see all of this stuff. Yeah. And there was, there was one younger kid, I mean, way younger than us in the booth where, or the alley or lane where everyone's tying flies. And that was pretty cool to see someone that young you know willing to put himself out there for everyone to watch Thai flies
0: yeah that was actually that was really cool and yeah i mean like yeah it's i wish there's more young people there and i think you know fly fishing maybe is trending to be a little more kind of the like cool or hip thing so maybe we'll start seeing more people there but i mean a lot of, like tyler said the older gentlemen are cool or the women there are cool because it's like they have a lot of good stories to talk about too and
1: Yeah. A lot of good
0: times to talk about. So a lot of good stories.
1: I mean, a lot of these guys, there's a group off of, um, what's that page on Facebook? I'm thinking of the Iowa fly guys. Yeah. Iowa fly guys. I mean, great group of guys. And I think a bunch of them, you know, they know each other off of Facebook, so it's fun for them to meet each other. And you know, it's something everyone can be a part of. Yep.
0: Yeah. So I mean, that's definitely cool. And it kind of like kind of restores maybe a sense of community there. Cause I feel like there's one famous fly fishing author who said like, you know, there's two types of people out there. There's like people you're fishing with and assholes. And like, <laughs> I think that all the time when I'm fishing, cause like, you know, like he's fishing where I want to be fishing or like, and Tyler's the only person I want to see fishing. Cause he's with me. Yeah. So, I mean, like it is kind of maybe restore a sense of community and like, you know, try to be nice to everybody. And like, you know, it, it doesn't always have to be so competitive. When we're out fishing. So it's kind of like fun to go talk and share fishing stories and stuff. So, because mm-hmm. I feel like when a lot of people go fishing, I mean, their main thing is to obviously go fishing. It's not like to go talk to everybody. Yeah. So to be in like a setting like that, it was awesome.
1: Yeah. And like you said, they're not going to share their spots with you or something. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a people have, and I get it, people have a total different attitude towards it once they're in an atmosphere like that, you know? Yep. You know, ask questions and listen to their stories.
0: Yeah. So I think, um, you know, Ty and I would be kind of gearing up for fly fishing. So I think we're going to start doing some more fly tying nights with us and maybe some more videos on fly tying since the stream fishing's is kind of going to start opening up. So.
1: Yeah. And maybe one night, I mean, we've talked about this too and, uh, we could do, I don't know, a stream or somewhere. We're just tying for a while talking, you know, I think that'd be a good time. Yep.
0: So yeah, one other big thing that, uh, I don't get about to do much and I should do it more but, uh, Tyler does it a decent amount is uh shed hunting. So I'll let him talk about that some. Yeah. I mean, I haven't,
1: I haven't been out as much as I'd like to, I'm just kind of getting into it. And I, you know, you listen to people shed hunt and they talk about, you know, and I don't know if it's North facing slopes that they always talk. That's where you find sheds, but it was interesting because the spot where I deer hunt, I walked, which I was a little early. And this is the last time I've been out, but I was walking around and I was walking around the whole I mean the whole section, the whole entire section. And I don't know how many acres this is, but um I found one one side of a rack and it was on the south side. So I'm like, huh, that's interesting. And I didn't find the other side, but so I found that one. It was just a little four point basket buck and I'm pretty sure I saw that one during hunting season. That's what's fun about it also. You know, you can see a deer no matter what size it is but you know you can go back and potentially find that antler and be like yeah i saw this deer this year and that's a pretty cool feeling um but i mean just getting out and walking through the woods i mean i found a lot of cool old stuff like there's an old duck decoy i found out there and you know it's kind of fun to think about for me you know like i wonder who was hunting with this duck decoy or like what stories this decoy has you know but then i found another uh old shed and it was interesting because it looks like it's been there for a long time because half of it's been chewed up by rodents and stuff you know they grind down their teeth or get calcium from it but so I picked that up and brought it back because I don't know I thought it was cool even though it was half chewed up yeah I mean the woods really has a lot of stories to tell and that's why you know I encourage people to go out and just walk around see what you find
0: yeah, I mean it's kind of a different phase of like being in the woods too. You know, everything isn't as green and it's kind of a little more brown and kind of a different way to maybe see the woods and different time of the year for sure. And yeah, kind of maybe out aren't like, you know, like when you're so when I feel like you're deer hunting or any maybe even waterfowl hunting, like you're so laser focused on just that yep. that you sometimes don't always take in like your appreciation and everything else. So like you know that's like you said, shed hunting is cool. Yeah, yeah foraging is cool because it's like yeah, you're obviously out there with a different intent, but you're not so like laser focused like you are maybe when you're hunting.
1: Like when you're out there deer hunting, you're looking for deer. You're not looking for, you know, cool stuff on the ground, I guess, you know? So when you're shed hunting or like you said, foraging or something, you know, your eyes are constantly glued to the land Mm -hmm. and you come across some really cool stuff that you might've not noticed out deer hunting. Yeah, along with it, you might
0: find your next deer hunting spot. Yeah. And I think that's something that we've kind of both found and, uh, you know, kind of going to the next thing is like, it's a good way to maybe start scouting a little bit for turkeys. You know, we found a couple of good roost yep. trees now yeah, because we've been out shed hunting and seeing where the turkeys are going and kind of start patterning in that way too. So, and that was, that was by accident yeah, too. Completely accident. Yeah. Yeah. We were just walking through and all of a
1: sudden, Ethan and I stumbled upon like 30 turkeys flying out of the trees. Yeah. You know, I had no idea they were in there or did I know they were ever in there?
0: Yeah. I mean, we drive by that place all the time. It's like, I've never, I mean, yeah, they're big oak trees, but I was like, I never thought a turkey was there.
1: No, I had no idea. So that was, that was kind of fun finding, um,
0: stuff like that. Yeah. So starting to talk about turkeys a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, this is probably one of our more serious years about going about it since we're not, you know, worrying about school and we're kind of around more. So Mm -hmm. I'm kind of shaking the dust off. Some of the calls, uh, got a, got a pot call. I've been kind of working on those a little bit. Yeah. Both got a
1: pot call. I got a, I don't know. It's just some cheap one. I mean, yeah, I don't feel like I'm in the position where I need an expensive one or, you know, know how to use it to its full potential. Mm -hmm. So learning. And, um, like he says, or first you're like taking it seriously because I mean, when you're in school, it was hard to worry about turkey on when you had homework to do or yeah. something like that.
0: Yeah, so I mean, yeah, I think it is a is a cool. I like the whole like pot call, like friction call. It's kind of a totally different thing. Cause It's not like you know duck calling, and you know that's one thing. You know, it's from your with, with your mouth. Um, Even turkey calling with a diaphragm, you know, it's similar to elk diaphragm calling, and you know, this friction call is kind of a totally different new way to call. So it's kind of a only learning experience for us so
1: yeah it's fun to it's fun to learn all these different methods on how people you know harvest different animals or different species whether it's bird deer or turkeys i guess they fall under birds but yeah i don't know they're a different category than geese or ducks you know yeah
0: yeah i know i think they're like categorized as like an upland bird but like i think they're just honestly like in some ways, like there's like a difference. Like there's got to be like some kind of middle ground between like like birds and like big game, and like that's kind of where I throw them is somewhere right in that middle. Yeah, yeah. Turkeys, turkeys. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's, what, that's that, where they fall. That's right where they fall. Yeah, but yeah, you know, I am starting to see more turkeys around, so it's starting to feel like spring. They're kind of getting more and more active during the day. And I stuff. saw
1: one f- fanning out the other day. You did really? It, yeah. So I mean, maybe they're starting to f- get fired up here. Yeah. I haven't checked when the first season is at all, but.
0: I know like with the, with the weather thing, it kind of fired up, but kind of got warm there for a while. So yeah. And that could, I mean, here in Iowa, if
1: you're listening, listening to us from somewhere else, I mean, it's been kind of been warm, cold, warm, cold, windy, snow, warm, cold again for a long time. Yep. So I don't know how that makes the birds react for, uh, mating and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. I'm sure it's got to have some kind of effect on them so
1: yeah but it's interesting like you said starting to see more around and
0: getting me fired up yep yeah i mean so yeah you know if we're not doing something out in the woods um another thing that we like um tyler hasn't made to experience as much but uh steelhead fishing so uh i am my girlfriend sydney who's been on the podcast before she lived up in duluth minnesota and i would always somehow always get my trips aligned to be like right around when I was going to go visit her is like steelhead running. <laughs> yeah. So I would always try to try to do something like that. And it was always a great time for us. It was one of those things. Like I didn't get too many opportunities to do it, but over the four years she went to college there. Like I felt like that fourth year I kind of had the gear dialed in. I was kind of starting to figure out like, Hey, this is when I should go. This is like a good stream. Cause I mean, I think there's like 50 streams or whatever. North, of um, the North, a uh, minute Duluth that all flow from Lake Superior and they flow to rivers and like, that's where the steel had run. So it was like hard for me to like narrow it down at first. And I mean, people, people aren't obviously aren't telling you these spots. Yeah. So you kind of had to figure out, you know, stumble upon something, right? Yeah. You just stumble upon something and you you watch like where people are kind of parking their cars (laughs) and like, you know, there's a great app out there called trout routes and that kind of opened up a lot of my areas. that like actually is trout water. So that's where I kind of first found a lot of these good streams to go check out. But um, yeah, you know, I always uh, steelhead fishing for me was like always a roller coaster because it was always like, you know, they are the fish of so like ten thousand casts, and like once you finally like get one hooked, like you're not ready for it at all. Like, you know, like I always feel like when I go trout fishing, it's like you catch a couple, you kind of shake that rust off, then you're dialed in for the rest of the day. It's like steelhead fishing. Like I would be up there for three, four days fishing eight, ten hours a day, and it's like you know, you might hook one or two. And that was like, you were never ready for it at that time. And it was always like, I always felt like when you make a perfect drift, it was always never going to be that drift where you caught that steelhead. It was always like the one that like, I kind of half-heartedly threw it out there. And I was like, if I catch something, hopefully And it's like, (laughs) next thing you know, that indicator was like, boom, down. And, uh, I caught, I'll tell a funny story about me and steelhead Mm -hmm. fishing. So we were fishing like kind of towards his mouth, this one river. So that, and it was like, pretty high like a stream was running pretty fast and i ended up hooking one and i can't and like the weird thing about steelhead is like you can drift by them like a hundred times and like that hundred and first time is like when they're gonna eat and i drifted right by it and i was like boom set it set the rod and it was like fight was on and next thing i mean like i have a seven weight rod 10 foot and it's got a lot of backbone on it and next thing i know that fish just kind of and it goes right with the water and i'm like oh god (laughs) and i just like i've never felt this strong of a fish on a fly rod yeah so i literally like try to put the brakes on it and i pull my rod back i got the got my hand on the reel trying to palm it so that the line doesn't go but it doesn't stop i mean that line is just just ripping out ripping peeling out and i just go and i go sydney sydney grab the net and she's like down like where the fish is running and she's like all right I'm grabbing the net and and oh man, like this one still kind of haunts me. And th- <laughs> it's even harder to talk about. It's like, we had this, I had this net. I had a great fry, fly rod and it was like, I cheaped out on the net. And <laughs> I course. remember we, we've, like Tyler and I fished this net a lot and it was a wooden net. And just from like going around in the wood and like fishing, it got really beat up. And this is the last wooden net I bought because it ended up breaking. And I had, <laughs> I just taped it up. And I was like, there's no way like, I'm hopefully going to get a uh, net one day. So Sydney goes to like, go to try and scoop it. And I'm like, and I just see your scoop and I was like, Oh yeah, she got it. <laughs> well, I don't know exactly what happened, but I mean, bad things happen when nets go in the water, <laughs> it seems like. So as soon as that happened, <laughs> I go, Sydney, you got it. Cause I mean, I still feel the fish fighting, you know, like the fish really hasn't gave or anything. Cause Sydney, cause like when you get that net, like, you know, Sydney kind of released that tension. Yeah and it's just still on and oh, like the next thing i know i go sydney you got it and she's like no there's a hole in the net <laughs> and i go what and i was just like so is the line through the net no it was it, not, no. the foot never got in there because where i taped it the w- net broke oh god so literally we lost this like beautiful seal ad oh no and sydney was like oh man like this is like, it's sad to say, but I was like actually kind of mad at her. But it was like, <laughs> yeah. Understandably. At the end of the day, it was just, it was totally, totally my fault. <laughs> and uh, she ended up catching one that trip in a spot where we didn't think steelhead were, but yeah, that was a little traumatizing going through that whole thing. And we had multiple times, this is just last year and we had multiple times we hooked them and like had a good opportunity and just kind of failed on the net. So as soon as we got like, we were going by Cabela's was on our way home and I was like, I got to get a net, get a net right now. And that's you like, bought that day. I bought one that day and I bought a big one and it's like, and it's like a strong one. It's like a fiberglass one or whatever. So like, yeah. it's going to never break on me. So I was just like, yeah, never at, going through that experience. It going to be some hard feelings there for a while. It was hard feelings. <laughs> I've seen, seen, a i didn't talk to a wife. <laughs> yeah. She, she goes, fished well, on one end and you fished on the other. Yeah. She was like, she's like, Oh my God, Ethan, you get so mad. And I'm like, I could lose, you know, any other fish in the world, but like Steelhead was just like a punch in the gut for that one. (laughs)
1: You don't want to be that person who loses somebody else's fish.
0: No, no. (laughs) You know, I
1: even this I think we were uh it was our camping trip uh at Paint Creek. Oh yep. And you had a brook on or I think it was a brook on or something, and it was a it was a decent sized brook, and I think I was trying to net it for you and (laughs) oh my god. I felt so bad because I dipped the net in there. Mm-hmm. no fish. And you're still fighting it. Like you got it. You got it. Yeah. Dipped it again. No fish. So I'm going to feel really bad if I lose this fish for you. Thank God it didn't come off the hook, but I think to- afterwards you're like, Hey Tyler, do this <laughs> next time
0: in yeah. a nice way. Yeah. You know, it's a good way to test relationship. I remember, uh, talking about net stories too, Was uh, one of our previous guests, uh, Marco and we were fishing and I mean, like whenever I net fish, I mean netting your own fish is completely different than netting somebody else's fish. Definitely, because I mean, like when you're netting your own fish, you know when to pick up your rod, you know when to go the scoop and everything. Like it, it works out pretty good, but you need to have good communication skills. And Marco hooked this nice brown. We we're fishing, and he's got a light rod. He's fighting it, and Marco's really talented with you know he knows how to fight it. He knows when to get pressure, whatnot, and he's got it hooked and it's a nice brown. It's probably 17, 18. And I go to scoop it and I just totally whiff. <laughs> and then this Brown goes on it. just, I mean, cause once it sees a net, I mean, it's going to, it's pissed off. So then yeah. <laughs> it goes whoosh, and it runs around. And I remember we were literally running around like two hooligans trying to <laughs> net this fish. And I just go like, what the heck? And I just could not figure it. I mean, it took me like, I probably swip, swiped that fish like four times and we finally did get it. And like anybody else finding that fish would have lost it probably would have been some bad feelings but marco told me a couple of good things and we should make a video and yeah it's one of those things it's like once you see it done once it makes a lot of sense but like basically what he told me was like there's no amount of motion like when everybody misses a fish it's because they didn't go deep enough in the water basically okay. everybody goes too shallow because you you know you have that whole net like you have a whole basket underneath you yep so usually if you go deep enough and come back up you're gonna catch it but usually a lot of people go shallow
1: they don't they miss it so yeah we should do a video on that time i think i mean i'd like to see it yeah in person you know because it's always those one it's kind of one of those things where it's just like you know netting a fish oh, i know how to net a fish you yeah. just put the net in the water and you know grab the fish but you know in some cases there's kind of an art to
0: it oh yeah i mean when does it when does everybody lose a fish at yeah the, at the net yep at the net so i mean it is it is a pretty big deal so being able to know how to net a fish is pretty big a deal and can save friendships probably too. <laughs> yeah. Maybe even relationships. I wonder, if,
1: I wonder if some, <laughs> someone has ever lost a friend or, you know, lost a relationship with their girlfriend or oh, whatever. I'm, I'm sure. Over a netting a fish. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> you know, fish of a lifetime and someone new, loses it. Yeah. Cause their netting sucked or something. I don't want to be that guy. No, I don't either. <laughs> Nobody wants to be on that end of it. So. But, but anyways, you're hoping to go up to North shore again this year, right? Yep. I'm hoping to
0: maybe find a little time, uh, like spring I always gets super busy with farming and everything else. And, but, uh, and, and the one thing about steelhead that maybe people don't know, it's like, you know, you maybe get a month window okay. when, when you get a fish them along the North shore, at least. So like, you got to kind of make it. And, you know, to me, it's like, it's four weekends really, you know, cause like we don't have the luxury. I've gone to fishing during the week. Yep. So like you kind of got to really plan and stuff. So, cause I mean, how long of a drive is it up there? Five. It's about four hours. Four hours. So yeah. Okay. Four hours to Duluth, And then maybe tack on 30 minutes to an hour to any of those waters you want to go fish. So, okay. Yeah. I think,
1: you know, we're going to try maybe get Tyler up there and maybe. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to go up there and, you know, even just one weekend just yeah. to see what it's like, you know, scenery is beautiful up there anyway. So Mm -hmm. you don't
0: catch a fish at least you got that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The scenery is just amazing. It really doesn't feel like you're in Minnesota when you're fishing there. So it's, it's cool.
1: That's how, you know, you, I mean, not catching fish on a trip sucks, but if if you find something to enjoy about it, yeah, you know, you can enjoy fishing for the rest of your life.
0: Yeah. We got a couple, um, I think I'm going to line up some people to come on the podcast, kind of get everybody Excited for steelhead fishing with it coming up. Maybe talking about some people like Marco. He's, um he's fished steelhead his whole life in the Michigan area. Um, Maybe get some other people to talk about swinging steelhead flies. That's something a little bit different. I've never done it. So it's no. always cool and informative to me when I hear people talk about stuff like that. So. And I like those podcasts because I mean,
1: you know, not only somebody listening might be learning, but I'm learn I'm there learning too. Yep you know, so it's fun to hear people talk about it and inform you of maybe tips and tricks of how to catch a steelhead.
0: Yep. Yeah. We just, you know, kind of keep on the whole trout species. Uh, talk about spring trout a little bit. We can talk about that. Yeah. Time to start, uh, kind of breaking out the fly rods, start chasing some trout with kind of the warmer weather kind of always gets me excited. And How's, how was, how uh, was, the water when you were there the other day? It was pretty, it was pretty good. I was actually a little higher than I expected. Okay. Yeah. But, um, I think they kind of got where I was fishing it wasn't many hold over. So I don't know if they just kind of got pushed away. And it was kind of a sad thought about that stream was that they lost a a pretty good easement to kind of access. So this stream kind of flows into a bigger river system. And I would like to go down there and fish because I'm sure that's where a lot of more of the whole fish are holding. Yeah. Towards there. Cause I suppose the bait fish are kind of coming through there. So there's more yep. food. and I I we lost the the easement access there and so I didn't know about this. When did this happen? Uh I th- I think it happened last year and I don't know. I don't know, really know the whole story and it's it's sad. I'm sure there was somebody who was maybe leaving too much garbage or mm-hmm. I don't know, just not respecting it. So it's it, it's sad to see. I mean, most of the trout water we have in Iowa or even Minnesota is because of easements and it's on private land where you can only fish on it, so so I guess that's another thing to be conscious about, you know. When you're talking line
1: or yeah, garbage or, you know, if you're fishing worms or whatever, you know, pick up that worm box. I, I see a lot of those out on the waters or pot bottles or something, you know, even if it's somebody else's, you know, pick it up because, you know, some somebody or the landowner might come across and see some of that stuff and he's just sick of it. So, yeah, not doing it anymore and not going to be a part of that program and. Like you said, we're pretty lucky to have all those easements to be able to fish those streams.
0: Yeah. And I think one of the big things is it sucks. And like, yeah, I mean, obviously you want to pick up the garbage, but I think it's one of those things where like, and the, we lost really good access to a spot up on the North shore because of the fact that, uh, somebody stole a guy's canoe that right. was an easement. And I'm sure it might've been something like that. Where like, you know, yeah, I'm sure the landowner hates the garbage, but I'm sure like something like that would absolutely piss me off too. You know, like, Hey, I'm letting everybody fish here. And then, you know, there's one dickhead who's going to come and steal, uh, my boat or something or something yeah. like that. Yep. Don't be that guy. And I mean, if you ever see anybody like that,
1: yeah. You know, say something cause it's going to ruin it for the rest of us.
0: Yeah. And it has, I mean, I talked last time I was there, I was talking to an old guy and he was telling me about all the times and fish he caught going down to where there is an easement. And I think it was kind of sad to tell him cause I think I kind of almost ruined his day. Yeah. That, like, you know, Hey, like my generation might not be able to go fish down there because of the fact that we lost that access. So yeah, hopefully they work something out. Yeah. Hopefully I think it's one of those things. I think it's, you know, it's a good thing for so many years and it sucks when somebody bad does something. And I think that the DNR can maybe, or the fishing game, we kind of go and talk to them again and they might kind of have a new heart to it. So Mm -hmm. definitely, but I'm pretty
1: excited to get back out. I haven't been out like you have yet, but yeah, I mean, just to wet a line again.
0: Yeah. It's one of those things like, I mean, spring trout fishing where we're at, it's like you kind of miss all the worm dunkers and nothing wrong with those people, but like you kind of miss some of the more pressure and everything Mm -hmm. going earlier in the season. And I mean, some of the great fishing, I mean, people bring up the streamer rods and you can kind of get away with using a bigger fly and maybe catching a bigger brown. And I don't know, it's, it's an exciting time to be fly fishing around our area for sure. Yeah.
1: Go on a nice day, whether it's cold or warm. I mean, yeah. It's a lot of fun catching that first fish of the year, you know. Unless you're out during the winter. A lot of people do that too. So but even even talking about spring, um something I've kind of been excited for and it's because I haven't done it for a really long time. I mean, bobber fishing. Bobber fishing, yeah. Slapping a bobber on the line and just watching that thing go underwater. Yeah, I mean, it's been such a long time since I've done anything like that. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of just want to stick a worm or a minnow on a hook and go out and see what I catch, put a chair out and a couple of
0: buddies and have a good time.
1: Yeah. Have a good time. Cause I don't know about you, but I haven't done that for a really long time.
0: Yeah. I haven't done it either. I I think it's one of those things that's super easy to be like, and I I love fly fishing and it's like, it's so easy to kind of get caught up in that world where you're like taking it so serious and like, you need to be so technical Mm -hmm. where like at the end of the day, like, you could just go have as much fun, probably throwing a bobber out there with your buddies and just sitting around BS. Yeah. Cause
1: I mean, to me, it reminds me of being little and cause you know, we didn't know how to do any of this stuff yeah. when we were little. So you go out with your grandpa or your dad or something and just go fish a dock with a bobber and, you know, spending that time with your
0: grandpa. That's kind of, that's kind of what it reminds me of. So. And I don't care what age you are or what you fished or what you caught. Nothing gets you excited more than seeing that bobber go down. Yeah, it's
1: oh my god, I can't wait. Maybe try to do some uh catfishing or something too. This, yeah, that'd be fun. That's something we're gonna maybe put on the list because honestly, I thought about it. I mean, we've got a few catfish around.
0: I I don't know how many I've ever caught. Yeah, I don't think I've ever really caught many, and if I ever have, maybe it's been like a bycatch, like I've never actually went like (laughs) catfishing per se. Yeah. So, I mean, hopefully put a number of species on the board,
1: Um, not if it's this spring, but the summer, you know, with open water or water opening up, I guess I should say, but, and hopefully share a couple updates and maybe recipes, what we're doing with the fish. Cause I mean, another thing is meat eater. I think that's where we got it. got the recipe from, from, but you know, making like sucker balls or cart balls and hush puppies, I guess is what they're called. But that's something we're looking to do this summer.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, one of those things that we can kind of maybe make more of a focus is it's like, you know, Tyler and I don't have a boat, but like we can still have a good time going out and fishing and, you know, bringing fish home. So maybe yep. that's a series we can kind of start working on too. So. Yep. Hopefully going to get serious about some of that stuff
1: and yeah. really start to come out with videos or, yep. you know, tips and tricks that we find
0: we found to be helpful kind of going back to maybe more complicated stuff uh you know trout trout goals i got some trout goals i don't know if you got any tie just talking about like trout fishing and fly fishing in general is uh i always kind of you always do kind of what you feel comfortable with and it's always for me it's always like break out the euro rod because i always catch a lot of fish doing that yep and it is a lot of fun i i still enjoy it and i always kind of find myself flocking the water that's always like close and like i feel comfortable with and there's a, we have a lot of good water within like 2 hours of us but i always feel like i'm going to that one that's 45 minutes thinking that like oh i want to save an hour at driving but at the end of the day like maybe i missed some really great fishing because i didn't want to drive a little farther so yeah maybe suck that up a little bit and do that so so like i said focus more on maybe dry fly fish and like you know maybe it isn't always about numbers and you know maybe five fish in a year nymphs, same as catching one in the dry fly so you know i need to kind of maybe go at that more mentality and also just hopper fishing. You see a lot of cool videos about people throwing big bugs out there. And man, that's something I've never done. Yeah. Trout swallowing them up. So yep. I think that's something that maybe Tyler and I focus on a little more. Cause
1: I mean, the biggest thing for me is I see you have it on the list is to just tie more flies. I feel like every year I go out fly fishing and by, you know, by the time I start tying flies <laughs> is like when we should be trout fishing. Yeah. So, you know, your box isn't that filled for the year and then you get to the stream and you, you lose one fly and then you lose another. And it's like, gosh, I'm on my last fly Yep. or your last pink squirrel or something. And, you know, and that's the one working. So I guess expanding my fly boxes, um, biggest thing on my list. Cause you don't, I mean, you don't realize it. you think, oh, I just sit down, tie a couple of flies for you know, you could tie, I don't know how many in an hour or something, yeah. but it's easier said than done. It yeah. takes you a lot longer than you think to fill that fly box up.
0: Yeah. I mean, like I got fly box and you're like, Oh, I'd fill all these up. Easy. We're supposed to be fishing, but we're fly tying. I think that's one of the issues. So yeah. So just finding more time to
1: fill the box, I guess is one of my biggest things.
0: And one thing is too, is like, I always feel like I have enough flies, but then like when I always go fishing, it's like, I don't have enough flies. <laughs> yeah. So.
1: Every time. I mean, I have You know, you go fishing, you got four of one kind of fly. You think, ah, that's enough. Pretty soon they're all gone. Then what? Yeah. Pretty soon
0: they're all in the trees or in the bottom (laughs) of
1: the river (laughs) and you're just like, God damn it. Yeah. So, but it should be, it should be a fun year. Hopefully, like you said, go to some new water. I'd like to go back to like Paint Creek and that area, hitting
0: those waters again and just doing some more exploring. Yep. Yeah. Same with me. So. You got some uh big off season purchases uh you made, huh?
1: Yeah. For
0: so far. Yeah. New job, I guess.
1: Had a little more money in my pocket, but Yep. So I bought a new uh 308. It's just a Ruger American. I mean, not the most expensive gun you can go out and buy, but I looked on or asked on some forums and did a lot of research before I bought the gun and everyone had good things to say about it. Everyone I feel like every comment I saw, they're like Or what do you think of the Ruger American? They're like, well, it shoots better than I can. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and for a, I think I paid, I think you can go buy one for like 450 bucks. Right. A 308 right now. And I
0: mean, you really can't beat that price for the accuracy that that gun carries. What was one of your big reasons for buying a 308? When like, you know, you go to the store and they're just like, and especially to anybody or anybody experienced or inexperienced, like kind of overwhelmed, when you go look at rifles. So.
1: Well, I'm not going to lie. Like you said, um, you know, we've shotgun hunted our whole life and, you know, you got your 12, 20, 28 gauge, 10 gauge, you know, stuff, so, you know, all those things. And you, you just, it's just common sense. You know. Mm-hmm. And then I always felt like um, when you get into like 308 and all the rifles and pistols and all that stuff, it almost seemed like, you know, it was so foreign that it was, Almost kinda, you know, what do I buy? I don't want to buy the wrong thing. Yep. So one of my biggest reasons of three oh eight is I already had a three hundred and that's a larger round. Yep. So I wanted something a little smaller, a little more lightweight, I guess. Um not saying the Ruger American's lightest gun you'll ever carry, but and people had really good things to say about it. And well, one of the biggest things is the ammo for three oh eight is pretty plentiful right now. You can find it almost anywhere. And I figured if I'm going to buy a rifle, I'm going to want to shoot it. So I'm going to buy something that has, uh, plentiful rounds for it. And like I said, people had good things to say about 308 in itself. So that's what I ended up with.
0: Yeah. And I mean, 308 is a tried and true round. I mean, it was a sniper round for a while. A lot of guys still shoot it for like long range rifle shooting distance, like competitions. I mean, it is a great round. I think sometimes the issue is like, it gets overshadowed because people are like, there's so many new cartridges. Like. The six eight Western and stuff like that, people are like, that's the new hype thing to buy. So everybody kinda like and like I said, three weight's perfect. It's probably honestly put down some of the probably right next to the 30 out six. It probably puts down some of the most big game out there. Yeah. And I feel like people like you said, people
1: get so caught up in these new rounds are like, you know, oh six five is or three weight's way better than six five or you know, whatever they're comparing it to. And really, I mean, in my opinion in my opinion, I haven't shot many rifles, but you know, what's the big difference here if you're not talking competition shooting.
0: Yep. Yeah. And I mean, like, and like you said, even with like the Ruger American, I mean, like you said, there's just hundreds of people who make a 308, different manufacturers, different models. And it's like, mm-hmm. like what you said, you spend that 450. Do you really need like the adjustable cheek piece when you can throw a $20 plastic one on? Yeah. That it does it perfectly. It's fine. Or all this other stuff or, the lightest gun in the world for an extra thousand dollars. Like, yep. I mean, it's one of those things it's like, you can kind of start getting by and, you know, you don't need custom and all that kind of stuff. So.
1: And when I say it doesn't really matter, you
0: know, I'm talking about my personal
1: experience for me, it doesn't matter because I don't have that much experience shooting all these different rifles. And I feel, I kind of felt like, you know, why should I start at the top? Yep. You know, get a, get a rifle that everyone has good things to say about. And you know, cheap, cheaper. I guess you know in some people's minds, four hundred fifty bucks ain't cheap,
0: but for a rifle, it is. And you, I mean, a Ruger American is a pretty, really popular gun. And I think you've told me before it it's pretty easy. You can kind of customize it in a lot of different ways too. Like, there's a lot of aftermarket things you can do to it.
1: Yeah, and I mean, some people might say, you know, oh, you know, if you're spending that kind of money, why don't you just buy a better rifle? And yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's more fun because you know you can kind of make it yours. Yep. In a sense, I mean, you might buy a new stock and maybe put a muzzle brake or something, or thread your barrel if it's not already threaded. The I think it's the predator comes threaded, and yeah. I just bought the basic version because that's what they had. I mean, it's hard to find 308. It's hard to find the gun. It ain't hard to find the rounds though, right? But so that was that was where I made my decision. But so I'm gonna experiment with um hydro dipping. I think okay. you know. I just have a black stock and I think it'd be kind of fun to try hydro dipping myself. And
0: yeah, if it sucks, oh well, yeah. you know. Yeah. As long as it's on a $1,500 rifle or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So
1: it'll be fun, you know, to have that cheap option to really experiment with cause I'm not going to feel too bad about it. I mean, it's still going to shoot at the end of the day. So yeah. everything else will be cosmetic.
0: So I think one of the, one of the big questions, right though, when you go with a gun, it's like, you figure out like the big obstacles, like the gun. And then you're like, well, what kind of scope do I put on it? So like, that's the next kind of obstacle to deal with. And yeah, how are you kind of going about that?
1: Um, you know, I think you suggested this to me. I think I'm just going to take the scope off my other rifle and put it on, uh, the Ruger American right now, which is a black hound and it's a pretty good scope. I mean, for a cheaper scope, I think it performs really well. Yep. And, uh, I think I'm going to make my decision. Um, there's so many different brands and magnifications and maybe stuff you could get by with, or, you know, or like, oh, you don't need this to shoot an elk or a moose or something like that. You know, so I think I'm going to take a bunch of time and research and make sure I get something that I really want on a budget at the same time. But I also want to get a different brand just to try different things. You know, you got Vortex and I got Blackhound and it's fun to compare the two.
0: Yep. Yeah. And I, I think everybody thinks like it is just as overwhelming buying the gun as it is the scope because yeah. the amount of options, the amount of different opinions. I mean, the guys are like, Oh, I hate Vortex or I hate Leopold or like, I wouldn't go with that brand because you know, they're going to be around in five years. I mean, like it is really tough to like narrow it down and like, there's just as many customizations for that scope as there is the gun. So it's like really even hard to like chisel it down and be like, this is what I want on my scope. And like, I need this on my scope. And it's like, and like you said, you don't have enough experience with scopes or I don't have enough experience to be like, I want this, this and that. And that's it. And
1: you can easily spend just as much on the scope, if not way more than the rifle
0: itself. So it's a big purchase. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, you don't want five scopes laying around. No. You, you want one good scope that shoots well and you're happy and comfortable with. So, yep. So
1: as long as it shoots, whatever big game I'm after, yep, that's what matters to me right now. It'd be fun to get into competition shooting, but that's probably years down the road. Yeah. Cause just cause we don't really have very many large ranges around us. Mm-mm. So I think the farthest, well, the farthest one we have is 200 yards yep. close to us anyways on top of that, I bow hunting. Um, I've been using Ethan's really old bow and I kinda, I kinda made the decision, you know, I should maybe buy my own, you know, stop using all the Ethan stuff. (laughs) So, and it's nice, you know, it was an old bow. It shoots deer, it shot a deer this year, you know, but I kind of wanted my own and it's going to last that bow that I bought is going to last for, you know, how many years? I don't know until I decide to trade it in or buy another one, I guess. But, it was a hard, uh, Hoyt Carbon RX-4 is I think what it was. And it's lightweight. I got a really good deal because I think it's a 2020 bow. And they were just trying to get it off the shelf, get rid of it, make room for more bows.
0: Yeah. And, and it was, it's pretty crazy. Like you, you're you a taller guy. Yeah. Uh, and like, it was hard for you to find a draw length for, so for you to find a bow like that, it's an awesome thing. Yeah.
1: Cause that's the biggest thing is the draw length is, there were some bows we went to a shop. There were some bows I knew I wanted to try. Yeah. But they told me, they're like, oh, we don't have that bow on your draw length. Yeah. So it's like, all right, well, that one, throw that one out the window for now. You know, I'll try something else.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, and like we compared like, you know, that old bow that Tyler was using. And when he says old, I mean, it is old. It's like 2002, <laughs> there's, 2002. there's stuff falling off of it. Oh, yeah. 2004, 2002 old bow. So, I mean, when you hold these are two, I mean, like there's a way big difference, you know, light years of difference between the two. So, I mean, like it was definitely time for you to upgrade and get something better and more comfortable and kind of fit you. Right. So, and I was just
1: impressed with, I mean, the let off of the bow for one, Mm -hmm. but as well as how fast, how much faster the bow shot than the old bow. Yeah. You know, just the arrow coming out of, out of the bow itself. It seemed just like light years ahead of the yeah. old bow.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so that's a really good tactic. Like what Tyler did is like he didn't go to the bow shop two weeks for the season and said he wanted a new bow. Yeah. I mean, the bow shop guy don't care, but like <laughs> yeah. Tyler's like thinking like ahead. Like he's like, how do I get the best deal? I mean, how many, how long have
1: I been talking about it before I made a purchase? Oh, a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember you kept asking me, you can buy a bow. <laughs> i like, I'm just waiting for a good deal or something like that. Yeah. And we just happened to literally stumble upon one. I was literally walking through
0: the section and I think I came and grabbed you. I was like, Hey, check out this bow. And I think the guy that we were talking about there was like, he was like, there really isn't a big difference between this bow and the next year's model. Yeah. He's like, you know, like they can say all this stuff, but he's like, honestly, like I've been around bows. Like there isn't that big of a difference between these. No,
1: I was asking questions again, you know, ask questions, but I was asking him questions, you know, like, you know, what's the difference between, you know, why are you getting rid of this one for so cheap? What's better about the next year than this one? And he's like, he's like, honestly, in my opinion, even given it was his opinion, he said, they don't really change much, you know, yeah. year to year, maybe over four years or five years, they change quite a bit, but year to year, they don't change a whole lot. So he said, I think it a really, really nice bow. Yep. The guy was very helpful. That made a big difference.
0: Yeah, that was one thing. We went to a small shop and it was unfortunate that, like, you know, they only had one guy working and he was fixing with somebody else. So we weren't really able to get the attention we kind of were looking for. Yep. So we had to go to another place and lucky there was nobody there. So Tyler was able to get full attention from the guy and yeah, g- got a good deal and asked a lot of good
1: questions. So, cause I am really indecisive. I mean, it takes for one, it takes me a long time to even go shopping for the thing. Yeah. And then two, when I get there, it's just like, you know, I'm standing there looking at the bow, like, ah, oh, should I get it? Should I not get it? Yeah. And you know, I like to ask a lot of questions and I felt like at that smaller bow shop, I didn't have the opportunity to, I was asking questions, but I wasn't getting, the answer I was looking for, I guess, you know,
0: Yep. and it wasn't his fault. He was a younger guy, but yeah. So like, I mean, that's one thing. I mean, if people are loyal to one shop, awesome. But like, I mean, I like going to multiple ones and you kind of see what the best deal on the service you can get. So. Yep. So I think it was a steal, what I got it for. So. I mean, especially too, like, you know, if you're making a big purchase like that, like they should really be trying to sell you and you know, try to like cater to you. So like, you should be asking all the questions. Like, yeah. you know, like you did, you obviously asked, like, I want to shoot this, you know, yep. and I want to do this, this and that. So then they were like, okay, yeah, for sure. You know, like they're pretty yep. accommodating. You just got to speak up and say, Hey, I want to shoot this bow. Can you set it up for me quick? You know? And you yep. know if they want to make a sale, that's what they're going to have to do. And yeah. if they don't want to do it, I'm probably gonna go to the next place. So. Yeah.
1: When you're spending that much money. I mean, yeah. Any bow pretty much you buy these days is not cheap. No. That's why I usually keep it for five or yeah. more years before you trade it off or, you know, sell it. Who knows?
0: And you got a little bit longer axle axle bow. Yes. And what was kind of the opinion there and why did you kind of go that route?
1: Uh, I felt like, um, as a taller guy, I thought I'd like that a little better. And it turns, it turns out I really do, you know? Yeah. Um, but you know, it's not ideal for tree stand hunting or anything like that, but. I'm going to try to hunt on the ground more just because, you know, this past year I thought it was pretty exciting. You're up close and personal and I might not have the same success as I do up in a tree, but, yep. um, so I guess I'll learn to put up with it for the time being. Yep. But at the same time, I'd also maybe like to take it out West one year and hunting big, bigger, larger game plus do competition shoots, uh, well yep. not competition shoots, but, um, 3d shoots, 3d shoots, yep. um, try to shoot a little longer range. And I guess I've heard they're a little more accurate yep. over longer distances, um, when you have a larger axle to axle. So that was kind of th- the decision on that.
0: Yeah. And like you said, you know, you being a taller guy, like you can get away with that. And, you know, I think you kind of said, I don't know, you said that you might be going to a tree saddle this year. Yep. So that might be kind of changing even sitting in a tree stand and. What some people do a lot when they uh, shoot. So Yeah. So I think I'll get around
1: that whole, you know, yep. Tree stand deal with um being in
0: a tree saddle. Yeah. That's three sixty, you got all the room in the world. Yeah, but you're kinda already standing up, so it's kind of more of a natural position. Mm-hmm. So Yep. Yep. So I don't know about you, but talking about these uh firearms and weapons, uh kind of got me excited for our next big thing. Yeah, it's getting me pretty pumped too. I I mean,
1: I think about it like it's coming tomorrow. Yeah. So I mean, I'm sure you guys have seen it on Instagram. I think Ethan posted a picture, or story, or
0: something. But yep. we'll be going to Idaho this year. I know. I'm excited. Uh, so we did draw. Well, we didn't draw. I guess we got an over-the-counter Idaho mule deer tag. So we kind of thought maybe we'll change it up from elk. We'll uh kind of build up some points for elk in some other different states and kind of go for an over the counter mule deer hunt. So, um, this is our first time ever trying to get a tag in Idaho. And I mean, it was kind of a different experience and I don't think many people, I didn't actually, I watched some videos and I kind of knew what we were getting into, but until you get into that process, it's totally different. So, (laughs) and it was kind of last minute too. Yeah. It was very last minute. I remember I was, I was at school
1: still. I think you were doing school from home. Yep. And, um, I was in the library reading my book for a class or, you know, whatever you were texting me about it and like, Hey, should we get a, should we get an Idaho tag? Try to get an Idaho mule deer tag. Yep. So I think we were talking on the phone at that point, I was sitting in the library stairs talking <laughs> to you on the phone and it's like, all right, let's do it. Yep. So, I mean, the process was pretty crazy to be honest. I did not expect it to be like that. Yeah. I knew there was going to be a lot of people, but not that many people.
0: Yeah. So the weird thing is, and I might not be getting all the details right because it was a while ago and Idaho, like was like one of the first dates you can get a tag in over the counter. So then because like, it kind of felt like we literally just came off our Colorado elk hunt. Yeah. And then literally like to go into this, it was like, dang, like that was like two weeks afterwards. It was, I'm pretty sure it was two weeks afterwards. And we were like kind of hanging up goose season by then. So like, we weren't really doing like a whole lot. So, it was kind of like maybe going into ice fishing, like, not even really thinking about hunting at this point. At least, in my opinion, I wasn't. No, I wasn't either. So, like, to be thinking about 2022 when I, we just got done with our elk hunt was just like, whoa, well, like, this is crazy. And I, I think it did show that, like, you kind of do it when you are doing these Western hunts, you do have to be kind of thinking ahead. Yeah, definitely. And that's something I think we're kind of still learning. But, um, I mean, the process for Idaho, if anybody doesn't know, It's a it's a great way to get an over-the-counter tag. It is. I mean, I'll first say it. Um, you know,
1: people think people have this opinion that it's I mean, we've talked about it before. It's this big application process process. But I mean, if you look state to state, Idaho is a very good way of getting an
0: over-the-counter tag. Yep. If anybody doesn't know, I think what did it open up at 10 that day or something or eleven? I can't remember. Yeah, something like that. It might have even been nine. Nine. So you get like in this waiting lobby and before um, let's say it opens up at nine, you can be in that lobby for what, like an hour before or something? Yeah. So basically, you're waiting and nothing's going on. You're just sitting at a web page. And as soon as nine o'clock hits, the computer randomly assigns everybody in that lobby a random number. Yep. And so, like, Tyler and I are obviously trying to get the same tag. So, this is the stressful part. <laughs> yeah. Because if I was just going by myself or you're just going by yourself, you're like, well, whatever. Yeah, I'll get my tag. If I don't get, if I don't get my tag in this unit, maybe I'll try this unit. Yep, exactly. And I can't remember what number I was because you went, you were first, right? Yeah. And I, I want to say it was 18,000.
1: Like my number was 18,000 something. Yeah. It was 18,000 or 1,800. I'm pretty sure it was 18,000, oh, like 18,000. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're probably right. Cause we were sitting on that thing for a long time waiting yeah. in line.
0: Well, yeah. So this is the stressful part is like you were like 18 and I think I was like maybe 21, 22. I was a little bit yep. behind you and we're just sitting there cause we didn't really know what was going on. <laughs> yeah. And I just remember being like, well, what do we do now? And I have my laptop up and I'm, working during the day and Tyler's in the library yeah and unfortunately he was because <laughs> like we didn't know what would happen if we turned our computers off yeah that was the stressful part about it i was on the school's wi-fi because
1: i was i was doing schoolwork yeah and i was like oh i'll just jump on my laptop i didn't know it was gonna take
0: that long No, i
1: didn't know either <laughs> so basically i was stuck at the library for how many
0: hours three four hours yeah waiting Yeah. So basically if you, after everybody's randomly assigned a number, anybody who gets in after that randomly assigned number, you just put at the end. Yep. So, and the screen is constantly refreshing and you're kind of looking at it. You can be doing other things, whatever, but I would always try to keep my screen like alive. Yeah. So like you're shaking your mouse to make sure you're like, you're keeping it alive. And like, (laughs) I went to go eat or something. I was like, I was like, okay, we're not leaving the laptop. Like everything I'm doing, I like keep an eye on that laptop. Like wherever (laughs) you go, keep an eye on that laptop. Yeah. So literally like it gets down and like, you just see like these units and it's like at the bottom of the screen, it's like random number unit 41 elk gone. And you're like, what? And then it's like, and this has only been like what, 10 minutes at this point or something. If that, if that, yeah. these units are just flying and Tyler and I are like, Oh shit. <laughs> we don't know if we're going to get it at that this point. Uh, we don't know. I'm like, God. I mean, literally like 10 units just gone. Yeah.
1: And basically
0: like we end up, Bunch of units are gone at this point. Tyler's up in like the next 100. And he's like, do you think you're going to get it? And I was like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. And you literally, and you're like, should I just buy it? And I'm like, yeah, I just get it. And like, hopefully I'll get it. Yeah. And did it tell us how many
1: tags were left in the unit or? Yeah, it did tell me how many tags are left. I think there was, I don't know how many are allocated for that unit. I can't remember, but I remember it was like, all right, thank you for your purchase. There are 200 some tags left in the unit.
0: Yeah. So that was a big sigh of relief. Cause I think there yeah. was
1: quite a bit left. So I texted you, yeah, I think I, you know, you were still like 2000 people behind me, yep. but I was like, you know, here's how many tags I think you're good.
0: Yep. So that was definitely good. All that worked out. And I'm, it was a different process for sure.
1: Yeah. I didn't, I didn't really know how to feel about it. I yeah. guess, you know, if I would have known that's how it was going to be like, I would have definitely prepared a little more.
0: I guess I'm happy we picked that unit and yep. not like a fairly like, famed unit that maybe like people go on like the first 10 minutes because that would really screwed up our day yeah i mean the way um go hunt
1: um predicted the unit i mean it looks like people have some pretty good success so
0: yeah and i mean Tyler obviously i mean i'm happy with anything we get i mean we're not looking for no i'd be great with a 180 200 inch buck but like yeah we'd be happy with anything so yeah we're not any
1: trophy hunters right now by any means i'd like to come back home with a
0: buck but yeah you know we'll see what happens yeah. And you know, this is going to be totally new territory for us. Um, totally new experience. So it definitely got me excited. So that's the biggest thing is
1: I think we need to learn as well. And we are learning. We learned a lot in Colorado is kind of knowing how to survey the land and figure out, you know, Oh, I shouldn't be wasting my time over here. I'm going to go there, but big
0: learning curve, big, big learning curve. So this will be probably, this will be the only big game tag Tyler and I'll be getting this year, like out of state. So kind of a lot weighing on this one, but I don't know. Kind of nice putting all our marbles in one basket to yeah. really go after Yeah, so
1: so. I mean, hopefully in the future we can hopefully in the future we have like five tags yeah. that we're gonna five
0: hunts were going on in one year. That'd be pretty cool, but so yeah, besides that, I mean we're kind of applying in other states. Um Arizona. Came up, applied for that
1: one. Yep. I'm in Arizona. You're in Utah. Yep. I didn't buy, I didn't buy any Utah points this yep. year. Um, I think those are the only two states that have been up for, uh, um, points so yep. far.
0: Yep. So we're going to hopefully buy some points to sell states that we're already building. So kind of keeping an eye on that and spending a dime here and there on that kind of sucks spending the money, but you gotta spend the money to play the game. So, yep. I told like Tyler, and I talked before. it's like, we don't have a golf membership. We're not really part of like a pool league or anything like that. So it's like any money that could be spent on that is just going towards this. So, yeah, we don't go to the bar too often. No, nope. once in a while, not yeah, one, too often.
1: But, yeah. So, I mean, you just nickel and dime stuff here and there. I mean, you can save a lot of money and buy some points. Yep.
0: Also, got a redesign of the website right now. So, going to be a little more modern, going to be kind of featured some more blog posts and everything. Uh, we got some new products that we're kind of excited about that we're going to be showcasing here pretty soon. And that's kind of where a lot of our attention's actually been in these past couple months is kind of taking some time and stepping back and working on a few things. Um, yeah. Working on some other projects to be kind of excited about. So yeah, Ethan's been working real hard
1: on this one project and it's exciting. It's exciting testing and yep. it's going to be exciting, you know, when it comes out. Yep. So You guys will see that soon. So, really soon.
0: That's all I got. All I got. Great podcast. Thanks everybody for listening. Got more stuff coming out. Like I said, coming out of the pipeline. New blogs, Instagram, more podcasts coming with spring. And everybody's going to be getting excited about turkey, steelhead, trout, shooting, everything. So, definitely got a lot to be excited about. So, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, Catch you on the next podcast. Yep. Thanks, guys.